Episode of the Snap No Tap podcast. Oh, I'm blurred. I'm Tony Cicchini, and of course we have. It wouldn't be a podcast without Joe Cardinal. I mean, it wouldn't actually. It wouldn't even be America without <laughs> Joe Cardinal. Um, and Joe will introduce our special guest coming up in a minute or so. Um, what's up, Joe? And plug our seminars. And how you doing? I'm doing okay, Tony. Uh, glad to be here again. Yeah, most importantly, uh, next weekend, we've got our seminars coming up. So Saturday, next Saturday, or would it be this Saturday at this point, at Bender's Martial Arts and Fitness, that's the 21st at 1.30 p.m. And then that Sunday, uh, we've got a seminar at DuPage Krav Maga. We'll have the links below if you're watching this in YouTube to Tony's website where it has all the information. Um, you know, of course, always go to Tony's website. Uh, you can download digital videos there uh, or sign up for our membership program. Uh, again, that's a monthly, you know, there's two levels. Uh, level one is kind of a thank you Patreon style thing, where if you appreciate this podcast and what we're doing here, you just sign up for a very small uh, thank you amount, $5. I think everybody can spring for that who's listening and, and watching, uh, you know. And then there's also the $10 amount where... Um, you get some additional video content that's not available elsewhere uh, that we, we produce. And, you know, it can either come from the seminars or stuff Tony's working on, uh, but that's unique to people who do the $10 a month. And like I said, anything you can do is always appreciated. Uh, have I left anything out, Tony? Does that cover all our bases? Well, we, you haven't mentioned what everybody tunes in to find out what's going on in your life. What, what's been up since last week with you, Joe? Well, always exciting stuff. Um, you know, I'm, hey, I've got extra time with my mother right now because of some family circumstances are going on. And, you know, you always talk about my celebrity status. And, yeah. and, and one another thing that just reinforces that is that I found out that I'm very good at celebrity jeopardy, hanging out with my mother. So which would make sense. But it's just, well, I'd say more proof to what you were saying about my status kind of in place in the world. Well, um, it's like godlike is what it is. Really? But they don't have God Jeopardy yet, at least. So well, um, that's because they haven't had you on yet. Right. That's true. I am playing at home, but I have fared fairly well. I definitely dominate my mother when it comes to Celebrity Jeopardy. She doesn't have a chance, uh, but I also play very well. So I think that's been the big excitement for me this week. Well, what I, what, what's what been exciting for me and shocking, well, not really shocking, but uh, the reading on the Internet about what's going on in France and how so many women in France now are, they're having mental breakdowns psychologically because you're no longer in the country and they feel that they missed out on an opportunity. And yet on the flip side, like the men, the alcoholism rate's gone up because the men are celebrating that you left and now they have a chance with the women. It's just, you have that weird dynamic going on, Joe. 
Well, and like I said, I really appreciated, even though I did have that kind of an impact, that um, while I was there, they treated me just like everybody else. There was no special treatment for me. I was just like, just an average person. That just showed how classy they were, really. You know, there was nothing special. No one asked for my autograph or no one wanted to take a selfie. That, that's the kind of, you know, treatment you expect when you go to a classy city like Paris to get treated like that. So, you know, good for you. Yeah. So, but I think they'll cover, most places recover after I leave. There's, there's usually that after effect, that shock wave, but then things eventually come back to normal. They achieve kind of an equilibrium. So just, I say, hang in there people and, and you'll, you'll, you'll deal with it. And well, always tune, huh? tune into the pod. If they need something else, always tune into the podcast. Yeah. So. Well, why don't you introduce our very special guest this week? Tell, tell them how we know him and, and then go from there. Gosh, well, it's, I'm really excited to have uh, Artie on here, Artie Gruba. Uh, I have heard about him long before I got to meet him. He's just always been kind of a fixture in uh, the grappling community, uh, definitely in the Chicagoland area. Uh, so I'm very excited to hear his story. Uh, but then we actually met him pre-COVID at a seminar we did at one of the schools that uh, I don't even remember, was it 2018, 2019? So we got to get on the mat a little bit and do some training with you. So that was pretty exciting. But yeah, welcome, Artie Gruba. Thank you. Nice to be here. Really excited. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're glad to have you. For sure. So, I mean, let's start at the beginning, Artie. Uh, where did you grow up? What did you do growing up? Did you play any sports or did you get into grappling right away? Yeah, I uh, grew up in Romeoville, Illinois, southwest suburbs. Um, tried karate when I was five years old and I went once and I hated it. Uh, I played soccer for a while from like age six through 13. Uh, started wrestling 10 years old. Um, the year before that, actually, I was on my uh, church's basketball team and I did not score a single basket so that uh -huh. didn't pan out too well but no I, I actually started wrestling I was 10 or 11 with the uh the goal in mind of one day becoming ECW heavyweight champion uh, I was most displeased to show up at the first practice and they didn't have a ring set up but got past that eventually um played high school football um wrestled all through high school went to college wrestled there as well uh Coached at a college on Kentucky, um, coached also at Harper College a bit, uh, Hampshire High School, um, worked a fair amount of different jobs, you know, different like uh, I was customer service team leader on a warehouse, you know, worked with companies like Honda, Goodwill, um, doing some different kind of stuff. Let's circle back a little bit. Where did you, what college did you wrestle for? Uh, my first two years, I was actually at Elmhurst. Um, when I was in college, that's when there was a big financial crash and just made Elmhurst not doable anymore after two years. So I transferred to Calumet College out in Whiting, Indiana. Um, I had a pretty good experience there. You know, it, Elmhurst wasn't working out for a variety of reasons. I was, I was a backup at the time to a guy who ended up being a three-time All-American. Um, it, it just wasn't for me. The culture wasn't right. And then on top of that, with the money situation, I got it to tell you, man, things were a lot better there. Um, I wrestled two years there, uh, uh, heavyweight my junior year, then dropped down to 197 for my senior year, uh, qualified for nationals both times. I got to be an academic All-American team captain, all fun stuff. Um, my like grappling submission background also that I, um, during my, right after my freshman year of college, I, um, basically was just trying to find somewhere to get on the mat. It's a lot harder to find spring wrestling when you're in college as opposed to when you're in high school. And I um, talked with one of my 
old club team coaches, Joey Gilbert runs Gilbert Grappling. And he also runs, you know, both uh, youth wrestling as well as adult MMA. So I started coming to his MMA class. Um, problem we ran into there, they, it was all very experienced guys and they never taught anything. It was literally just warm up and then spar. So I took a lot of licks in there. Um, glad, I, glad I did though, I had a lot of fun at the same time. Um, yeah, that's, you know, where I kind of where I started, I guess. You know, I actually um, filmed a video uh, at Elmhurst College um, in their wrestling room, which was a very nice wrestling room. And It's very nice. It's a bit small. We actually, um, during the season, we roll out more, multiple mats in the gym, and that's really only for, like, you know, smaller workouts during the season, but nice room for sure. Oh, yeah. It was a bad experience for me, though, only because, not because of Elmhurst, but I had, I had booked a thing there and I had to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I had food poisoning. Uh, oh. not, not, Elmhurst College had absolutely nothing to do with it. I was at a restaurant the day before, either, I, I don't remember now, because this was in the, uh, well, probably 95 or 96, mm -hmm. something like that. But I mean, I blew up and everything. I mean, I just was like, Matter of fact, three times the filming had to stop because I was vomiting. It was like I was so sick. It was like the first time I ever had food poisoning. So that that's my yeah. college uh, experience. You know, a lot of times when people watch your videos, they vomit, too. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's like the bulimic style of wrestling. You know what I mean? Don't Don't miss that. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was so. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I've known you, not met you, but known you for through emails or whatever for years. Probably handle at least twenty. Yeah, probably like twenty fourteen or so. I remember. I remember it's back when I was working at MMA Warehouse. I remember that's when I think I started emailing with you. So that'll be like twenty thirteen, fourteen or so. Yeah, so that's about ten years. Yeah, nine yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, questions, Joe? That's your line. Yeah. So you so originally as a kid, you wanted to be you saw pro wrestling and that's what kind of piqued your interest in it. Uh, but yeah. you stuck with it. Were you kind of a natural to it or was did it come to you easily? Or oh, how, how were those early years? Um, so, you know, I started in sixth grade for my junior high team and I was just crap. Uh, I was a chubby little unathletic kid. You know, even though I played soccer for a while, you know, I was. You know, compared to other people my age and weight, I was, you know, relatively physically weak, um, slow. Really, the only beneficial natural attribute I had was flexibility. Always been flexible, so made it a lot easier to escape certain things. Um, but, yeah, I was just really, really bad. I, I was, you know, I, I, I won a total of six matches a year. I was like six and 20. Um I did end up winning the most dedicated wrestler award though. That's, you know, the one trophy that I will always keep. And yes, it's technically a participation trophy, but it's the, the top participation trophy, I guess you want to call it that best participants. Mm -hmm. um, but no, the, the part of that was, you know, there was only so many JV events during the year. Like, you know, they're doing dual meets, you'd match up and you get some JV matches, of course, but tournament wise, there was, I think two only. However, you know, the varsity tournaments, if there's an opening in the bracket, like if, you know, they, they like the brackets being even 16. If there's like, you know, only 13, 14 guys there because different schools would have a forfeit of that weight, they let some JV guys in. 
usually it would be someone from the home team because they'd be around. It's, it was actually pretty uncommon for a JV guy to come with the varsity team. But, you know, I do it because worst case scenario, I get to watch the varsity guys wrestle, you know, support my teammates, hopefully learn something. And best case scenario, I go in and get some matches. Um, I, I would show up uh, on weight for my normal weight class, 126. But um, usually I'd have to bump up to 135 for some reason because, you know, that's just where the openings have tended to be sometimes. And then even one time I had to uh, chug a couple bottles of water so I'd be over 126 so I could bump up to 145. That was a bad experience. Um, zero starts out of five, not recommended. Um, I, I took eighth place out of eight that day and actually got disqualified in that last match because I locked my hands for an illegal headlock during the overtime rookie move, I suppose. Um, yeah, six, I, I just sucked. But like I said, those six wins, you know, they made me really appreciate enough to fall in love with the sport. Um, my, you know, spring wrestling has, you know, very small number of participants compared to in-season wrestling. And we had, you know, I had a huge team at my middle school. We had like 50, 60 guys. It was pretty popular. Um, but then for spring wrestling, there was like five or six of us. I showed up and I was by far the worst one. I got my butt handed to me every single day because it was really, you know, five of the better guys on the team and then me. And, you know, I was, you know, I was the little pud sixth grader uh, working out with the eighth grader, two-time state placer who's two weight classes above me. So I took, I took some beatings there, but it, I think it helped me in the long run, of course. You know, seventh grade, I, I did a little better. I was, you know, probably even record. Um, again, did the same thing, showing up to all the varsity meets. And, you know, I probably something like 15 and 15, don't quote me. But so that's 30 matches. And most JV guys would only get like, you know, 12, 15 matches a year. So I was getting in overtime. Uh, eighth grade, and I was still pretty unathletic, but I was learning and, you know, getting more resourceful. I, I went to the state tournament, didn't win any matches, but made it there at least, was on the varsity all year. Um, you know, went to high school. Um, over the summer between junior high and high school, I actually qualified to go to a national tournament in Virginia Beach. Um, that was a lot of fun. It, I didn't win any matches, but, you know, I got to see a really high level of wrestling. Um, freshman year of high school, I was, you know, still on athletical putt. I, I played football, but was never really got too, too into it, you know. I... I, I won most of my matches that year because I was wrestling at the freshman level against a lot of guys that didn't have prior wrestling background. You know, mm. I'd say probably less than half the middle schools in Illinois have a wrestling program. And just based on the geography and teams we were competing against, it was a lot of areas that didn't have junior high wrestling or even club wrestling. So even though the guys are, you know, more athletic than me, I was three years ahead in like technical and tactical style and was able to do that. Again, don't quote me, probably something like 25 and three. But again, that was this freshman level in the varsity. And then um, hit a big growth spurt. I grew six inches over the summer while only gaining about 10 pounds. So that made me from, you know, little tree stump into someone, you know, I was five, got to be 5'11 at that point, above average height, I guess. Um, so that I really grew into my frame and, you know, did a lot better that year. I, I was on JV. Um, the varsity guys were ahead of me. You know, these are the same guys that have been kicking my ass 
for like, you know, five years and I just mentally couldn't beat them in a match. You know, I do well in practice, but just couldn't make it happen in a match. So, you know, I was JV that year. I went undefeated on JV, which, you know, is, you know, is what it is. It's something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they have a freshman, sophomore state tournament. I went to that. I was in match weight and placing, going against all guys that were varsity all year. And then I really picked up over the summer. Like, that's where I made my biggest jump, probably in just grappling overall, was the summer between sophomore and junior years of high school. Um, I started doing freestyle and Greco that year. I took to Greco really fast because I've always been more of a thrower. Um, I... Uh, did my I started getting into freestyle and Northwestern used to host actually a national tournament in springtime for freestyle and Greco. And that was my first ever freestyle tournament was that was a national event. And I ended up actually beating some guy who was what you know I beat let's say I beat a lot of people that were better than me, but I beat him on that one day. Uh so I, I got this was really tough guy from Iowa, you know, after wrestling J V for a season, I beat an Iowa State champion basically. Um got into you know like did competed around the country um ended up going to like the big national event for team illinois um won a couple matches never didn't place though you know it, it's a huge tournament like around 100 guys per bracket and i was still pretty green and then you know my junior high school i was i got to be varsity but i ended up wrestling up a weight all year because um there was three seniors at the weight class below me i could beat all three of them so i was going to be on varsity but they wanted to give you know the senior preference of weight class which i get that i suppose um so yeah, I, I did pretty well that year i got to sectionals didn't go to state um south suburbs really tough area for wrestling you know especially back then uh you know between just i don't know if you follow high school wrestling but back then carl sandberg and providence both in our sectional both extremely tough nationally ranked teams um you know that that's you know but like I said, that big jump I made the season previous part of that was I, mean, I wrestled 100 matches in the offseason. That's basically three seasons of wrestling in six months. Um, you know, and then, like I say, junior went to sectionals. I was up a weight class wrestling 215, weighing 185. But I, I, I got a lot of experience that year. Um, again, don't quote me on the record. Let's say about 30 and 10. Decent. Um uh -huh. Uh, senior year, I ended up able to go my right weight class, 189. That was pretty fun, finally. Um, did well. I was I was bigger than a lot of the guys, actually, and I was starting to come into my own, you know. I, I never, I was never, like, you know, elite athlete physique, but I, I was, you know, at least able to compete with those guys. And uh, uh, went, went to the state tournament. I, I won my first match um, and then ended up getting beat by the eventual state champion. And then after that, got beat by this uh, Mount Prospect guy that played state a few times. So, you know, it was, it was a fun experience. Illinois, if you guys weren't aware, is one of the elite wrestling states. So I had, you know, had the both pleasure and displeasure of going against some really awesome guys. Uh, my senior year, again, I'd say my record something like 35 and 8, 35 and 7. Um, you know, when I was, I ended up wrestling in college, um, like high school, like I went to the Nationals a bunch of times. Never placed at the big national events, but always won a few matches. Was one match away from placing in Greco, uh, so that was cool, but still, I guess, bitter about it. Uh, I, um, um, so yeah, I got to travel around a lot with Team Illinois, wrestle with them. Um, went to college, uh, ended up, like I said, at Elmhurst. My freshman year, I was not ready at all for college wrestling. It was a different pace, you know, 
um, academically, athletically, and just socially and just in life. I wasn't ready for it. Um, I was a 197 pounder, which I should have been a weight class down at 184, but I just couldn't put it together, I guess, at that point. Um, rough season. I mean, I probably had like a break-even record. I mean, if we're continuing to estimate, let's call it 10 and 10. Um, wasn't starter. You know, I was bet behind some pretty you know, some pretty good guys. I, I did okay in a few like opens. So I, I placed in a few opens, which beating a lot of guys starters from other places. And then sophomore year was really a repeat of that. It was, I was at that year, I actually bumped up to heavyweight. My weight kind of got out of control. I was dealing with some eating issues back then and couldn't make it come together to be at the right weight class. But I, I did pretty, I fared decent at heavyweight because I was able to um, finally have a quickness advantage and be able to out leverage a lot of guys and not have to really go muscle on muscle, which was beneficial usually. Um, Again, I was probably somewhat like 10 and 10 that year, but I, I actually won two open tournaments, which was pretty cool. Um, junior year, I transferred to Calumet. I was still at heavyweight because um, they needed someone at heavyweight more than 197 or 184. We had you know, a couple of guys in each of those, and I was um, basically, we only had two options. I had me and one other guy who I was able to be pretty handily. Um, <clears throat> so we... Again, I was heavyweight that year. Ended up qualifying for the national tournament. Uh, was actually a match away from placing that year. I really um, had a rough start to that season, but picked it up near the end. Um, yeah, so like I said, I went to nationals, match away from placing. My senior year, I got down to 197. Um, my weight was really out of control before that, so I dropped from 260 down to 197 over the course oh. of about three months. That was not healthy at all. I did it the complete wrong way. Um, I wish I would have known then what I know now. I, I you know, a lot of very low calorie diet, um, excessive working out, um, even you know taking ice baths both for this alleged calorie burning effects, along with getting my legs fresh so I can go run again after that. Um, so one making 197 was rough. Like I said, I did it wrong. If I if I had a better idea of what to do, it would have been a lot easier. I, that was a really it was a really rough season for me. Um, I probably had about a break-even record. I, I want to say like 15 and 15, not how you want to spend your senior year. Um, I wrestled 197 all year, except one, one tournament I did wrestle heavyweight. Um, reason being for like ranking and stuff in, in, in the NAI division, which is what I wrestled, I guess, it's separate from NCAA, but for, for ranking and stuff in that division, you get more points for bigger brackets, if that makes sense. Like if you win an event with eight guys in it you get three points but if you win an event with 12 guys in it you get you know like five points so we had all we had our heavyweights trying to get to nationals and i bumped up just to make the bracket bigger and get them more points our assistant coach actually wrestled in the open too which is pretty fun but that was an event that i did pretty well at uh, uh one of the guys that beat me was actually curtis blades if you guys know who that is from ufc that was a rough match um so I, I wrestled heavyweight that one event and felt pretty good at it. And I almost wish I would have went one. I almost wish I would have went heavyweight to finish the year, even though I was making weight okay by that point. The style really suited me a lot better, to be honest. You know, if I'm able to have a quickness advantage, that's more beneficial to my style than having a strength advantage over somebody. You know, I'm comfortable enough with leverage. I have a low enough center of gravity that I don't need to go muscle on muscle that much. Um. Then yeah, senior, senior year came and went. Uh, I ended up going to nationals that year, but 
um, ran into the guy who eventually took fifth, first match, lost to him. And then second match, I ended up tearing both my LCL and PCL on my knee. Um, not pleasant injury to go through at all. But I thankfully was able to recover without surgery. Um, after that, I didn't know, I had no idea what I wanted to do really um, other than coach. So I went down to University of the Cumberlands in Kentucky. Um, beautiful place, little tiny college tucked in the mountains. Uh, I was an assistant coach there for a year. Was didn't really work out the best, honestly. You know, I wasn't ready to be a coach in a lot of ways. You know, I had a lot of holes in my wrestling. I was, you know, a bit of an unorthodox style because, you know, I started so unathletic. I had to be unorthodox and resourceful to win. Um, I wasn't going to win, you know, doing a lot of the other stuff people did. I never really shot too many single legs. I've never shot a double leg in competition in my life. But on the other side of that coin, you know, I still hold both the reversal and pin records in my high school. I still hold the pin record in my college. Um, so I was good at that. Um, but yeah, I just wasn't ready to be a coach or really, you know, understand the sport of wrestling well enough. I had to learn a lot of stuff. I had to learn a lot my own my own that year. Um, still, like, you know, I was, you know, my, my main use, honestly, was the practice partner for the bigger guys. Um, they did pretty well that year, so that was awesome to see. Um, they didn't bring me back because they um, wanted to, first off, like I said, I didn't do the best. And then second off, they wanted to have alumni on staff, which is totally reasonable. You know, I just got to take care of your alumni. And they had two guys that were graduating that really wanted in. So instead of making them fight for it, they bumped me, which, I mean, to an extent, I get. Um, year after that, I went to Kosher Harper College out in uh, Palatine. Had a lot of fun there. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys I wrestled in spring springtime um, at Gilbert Grappling were actually a lot of Harper guys. And I go up to their practice sometimes, you know, when, when Gilbert didn't have anything because they did a lot of grappling. Uh, Mike Kelly, the assistant who was then, then the assistant coach at Harper and um, now coach the high school of Wisconsin. But anyways, he was basically, if, if not for him, I wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you guys. You know, he was the guy that made me fall fall in love with the sport of wrestling again at, you know, points in college where I was getting pretty dejected about how things were going. He basically showed me that you don't have to quit when you're done with college. He showed me that, you know, if you enjoy it enough, if you want to pursue it, you know, there's no sense in not doing it. Um, so a lot of credit to him, you know, practice partner and coach for years and years. Um, but anyways, he's the one who got me coaching at Harbor with him. Uh, had a lot of fun there. You know, I was able to learn a lot from the coaches there. I mean, if you, if you guys didn't know, Harper's multiple-time national champions in the junior college level. They're actually a non-scholarship team, but then beating the scholarship teams out. So that's really, you know, I always thought that was impressive about them. Um, after that, got out of coaching, you know, ended up going to MMA Warehouse. Um, but, you know, I, I, I started, like, the grappling with Gilbert and then um, – Kept at it with the Harper guys. Uh, floated around a bunch of places because I was moving around a bit. I went to New Breed up at Niles for a while. Um, awesome, awesome quality guys there. Mark Davis, the head coach, my first time I went there, made it feel like it was my first day on the mat. I'd been wrestling for all those years, and he just, you know, had such good control of the E that I was unfamiliar with, and I couldn't do nothing. Um, from there, you know, I went to a few places out in Elgin, uh, met up with Paul at a place called South Elgin Budokan. I was there doing judo um, under Thomas O'Shaughnessy, very uh, amazing guy, real hidden gem. 
and uh, Paul was the jiu-jitsu coach and he ended up, you know, after the judo coach unfortunately passed away, um, Paul ended up opening a straight blast gym um, up in Elgin. Um, yeah, that, that, that brings us, you know, that brings us, you know, pretty much to when we met Joe. Wow, a lot, a lot, a lot there in that story. It's it's been really interesting to hear, and I mean, a lot, a lot some of observations things. and questions. Yeah, um, I mean, for one, I always like to hear the stories of the guys who are not like naturally gifted at it, you know, but love it and stick with it. We've had a, f- a couple guys on here, um, you know, like yeah. you said, right? You know, a, a lot of people, I think, when they start in it, you know, if they don't succeed right away, they kind of want to give up, you know. Yeah. And, um, and that's, you know, I like, there was times where I wouldn't say there was ever a time I wanted to quit in, when I was in sixth grade, but there were a lot of times where I did not want to wake up at five in the morning and get on the bus to maybe wrestle, maybe sit in the bleachers all day. There were some times where I was, you know, just not feeling it, but my dad, you know, he, he was never a hard ass about it, but he reminded me, you know, if you want to do this, this is what you got to do. And I went. Did your dad wrestle at all? Uh, he only wrestled for a year when he was in junior high, but he ended up being a coach with our team for a while. You know, when you're coaching junior high, you don't really need most wrestling experience. You know, just coaching experience more valuable than sport experience at that point. So, you mentioned there was a shift when you went from high school to college. What what were some of the differences, at least at the wrestling level, that like yeah. made it? Possible? Um, well, um, some of the big things were, you know, everybody there is you know a pretty tough guy there's you know not too many college wrestlers for average wrestlers in high school even at you know the division three and junior college level there's a lot of state champions there's a lot of state placers there you know it's it's a it's it's tough wrestling college is tough I'm not gonna lie you know it's not for everybody it was something that I wanted to do and I'm glad I did I also had you know opportunities to play football in college instead which would have maybe would have been fun maybe not like I said I never really got too into football it's just something I did for four years um but yeah the, the pace of the a lot of the difference here first thing the pace of it you know college you're gonna see a much faster pace much more offensive base style the reps are calling stalling a lot faster basically I mean if you're if you get pushed out of bounds a couple times or if you're taking back steps you're gonna get dinged for stalling real fast there's not much room for you know months and around and out there um you're seeing guys you know that are lifting weights on a continuous basis you know I never was like I said too athletic I I, I lifted weights in high school I was in the, the weightlifting gym class and I tried but I never really saw great results um you know I, I, I just wasn't my thing I suppose I curiously enough actually held the flex arm hang record in my high school which weird thing to do and I also was like top five for the sit and reach of all time which again I'm flexible um but the flexibility in college actually became detracting because if no matter how flexible you are if they're strong enough they're going to get you to the end of your range of motion and you're going to you're going to go with them even though it might take longer and you know I I had a lot of people say I was a frustrating guy to take down I'd actually get taken down a lot um whether I made it tough for him, you know, kudos to me, I guess. Um, so like the strength thing was a huge thing. You know, everybody was so freaking strong. Um, 
it, this didn't make a huge, huge difference. Matches in college were actually one minute longer. The three-minute first period, it was a bit of an adjustment for me. Um, when you're used to wrestling, only two-minute periods. Um, and oh, another big factor was the length of the season. So playing football for me in high school in the fall was basically taking a break. Um, because at that, you know, I wasn't wrestling every day. I wrestled every day from basically start of wrestling season November till end of like the like the national season end of July and then I just go do football and football was like where I recovered and rested um they um you know they college college wrestling though to get back on track you start in August when you report to campus you are expected at wrestling workouts unofficially of course per the NCAA rules but unofficially you are expected at wrestling workouts six days a week you know whether that's a uh, a 6 a.m morning run and lift or like an actual wrestling practice or a few times we went out to the uh like a toboggan hill and ran the stairs whether it was you know all those things you you were six days a week starting in August on wrestling pace and that was a rough adjustment because football was not like I said that was my recovery time I went straight from wrestling nationals into this new college wrestling pace um on top of that too I was commuting to college from Romeville to Elmhurst that was about 45 minutes each way in traffic so that took that actually took a toll on me the commuting sucks I've never been a, I've never been one of those people that enjoys driving so that was really not something I enjoyed um and then on, on top of that too is you know it, it's it's a lot more physical too the guy they referees get you let you get away with a lot of stuff that maybe in high school would be called as potentially dangerous or unnecessary roughness you can do a lot more roughness and slam not i wouldn't say slams but rougher takedowns in college it was just something i wasn't ready for and you know eventually i did end up you know doing better and like i said going to nationals and thriving a bit more but it is a big step up Yeah, it is interesting. So do you think it's just kind of the the necessary limitations on high school that they just maybe don't prepare everybody to make that transition? It doesn't sound it doesn't seem like there's a, a linear progression. It seems like it's just like a major step up to yeah, the big ones. Um, you know, well, a lot it, of it in, depends on the high school too, Joe. Yeah. It, you're gonna see your more elite high schools being a little bit secretive and having, you know, wrestling practice every day in the fall. You know, like even like the a lot of morning stuff. A lot of the a lot of schools will have morning practices. Even if you're in football, soccer, whatever, if you want to wrestle, you're still expected to those morning practices, which you know might be not even wrestling. You know, it might be it might be lifting and running, but that's a lot more than most people do. You know, I uh, like I said, football is my rest time. Football, you know, I was on not a very good team, and it really wasn't anything that it, it kind of kept me fit, but didn't get me any fitter, if, if I if I can honestly admit it. Um, they, so it's, I'm trying to think of it, you know, and there's a big, from, from what I've heard as well, there's a big step up from high school to college football. It's, you know, it, it's, you really focus on getting so many more elite athletes in one place. Well, you know, there's a school outside of, Cle well, Cleveland, but is a neighboring suburb, Lakewood, St. Ed's and their St. Edwards Catholic school. They're just, they're, they're the most dominant high school wrestling program yeah. probably in the history of the country. I mean, if you, you could probably look it Diamond, up while we're doing the podcast, Joe. Diamond I think Blair in the Academy, Diamond I, Blair Academy, definitely. I can't hear you. 
St. Ed's and Blair Academy also, I'd say, you know, they're in a pretty close tie for like top high school program of all time, especially in the last 50 years. Yeah, I think in the last 40, uh, St. Ed's has won 25 state titles. And I don't know. Joe, you can probably look it up while we're doing this thing. It's it's just a tremendous. So I'm sure there's I know that around the country, there's going to be other schools, uh, you know, just like with football, you know, uh, football, high school football. uh, You know, there's kids that their parents. Um, when the kids are in seventh, sixth, seventh grade, maybe even sooner, you know, they're already thinking, man, my kid's going to go and play high school yeah. football or wrestle, and they make the appropriate changes, like they move, uh, or if it's a if it's a parochial school, they're they're putting money away. Yeah, transfer, yeah, you know, and that 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 happens a lot. Like, I mean, one team I think of is Glenbar North High School out in Carroll Stream. You know, one of the top programs in Illinois for the longest time. Uh, They've been frequently top 25 nationally. You know, they're one of those teams that they're doing those morning workouts every day. Yeah. You know, if, if you're, if you're, even if you're in football or soccer, you are there at 6 a.m., you are running, you're lifting, you're wrestling, you are basically in wrestling season all year long. And they, yeah, they wrestle extensively in the offseason. You know, that's one of those places where you're getting 12 months of wrestling from some quality coaches. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've known one of the things back when my dad in high school, um, a lot of the high school football coaches wanted their football players to wrestle just to stay in shape. Not, not that they, yeah. you know, didn't expect them to become Dan Gables, but, you know, because the wrestling conditioning was great. For me, track and field was blisteringly tough um, because I was a sprinter. So the workouts were different, you know, for me. Yeah, um, like you I, said, wrestling was harder than football. Well, you know, to me, track was harder than football. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'll be. I mean, I I actually did go to one day of track practice, and I was just dreadfully bored. Um, oh, yeah. I'm very, I'm very easily bored. I've honestly never, I've never really enjoyed running. They they kind of wanted me to come out um, to be a, to be the uh, one of the mile runners of all things. Oh, yeah, that, 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 because I mean, we ran so much in wrestling. And, you know, I mean, if you think about it this way, the faster you run, the faster you run, the faster you're done. Um, so that that was my thinking. I don't know why I went to a single track practice, but I, did, I didn't go back. Um, <laughs> those people that work out for the sake of working out, I can't do it. Yeah, they, you know, I've talked to guys who uh, played college football. and uh, And the big thing is – the speed that's what everyone has said the same thing the oh, level yeah. of speed is you know uh and that's interesting to me because i my i had my goal set on being a world-class sprinter i mean my goal in life was to, to, to run in the olympics 100 meters awesome. so when i hear them talk about that you know i can i can understand that because this may sound weird but i was so freaking fast that when you're talking about guys at another level above, you know, faster than me, that's mind blowing because I know how fast yeah. I could run and the things that I could do. And yet these guys would leave me in the dust. I mean, I think at every sport, as I say, there's levels to this, you know, yeah. there's a lot of guys that I spank run and beat like they're nothing. And there's guys that do that very same thing to me. It's, yeah. you know, there's, there's so many different levels and hierarchies. Like there's all there. you like, it's unreal, you know, how good some of these people are. The fact that, you know, I'm able to go out and, 
you know, I win a lot of local tournaments and even like, you know, some bigger events too, even though I'm able to go win those, there's guys that will beat the living piss out of me. And it's just, you know, that big step up in levels, you know, the guys that do in Abu Dhabi versus the guys competing locally. It's, it's a big step up. It's huge. Yeah. The, the comparison with, you know, the people used to ask me about was between speed and, and strength. And I said to me, the, 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 the disparity in speed is is greater because you're talking about and I'm talking about in 100 meters you know small yeah. or 200 meters because you're talking about very very tiny numbers okay so here for example yeah. in in 1982 I ran the 10 600 meters no wind the world record was 9.95 so I was you know let's just call it six-tenths of a second off the world record. Now, when you tell somebody that that doesn't understand track, you were six-tenths of a half a second off the world record. Wow, look how That's close impressive. you were. No, I wasn't when close you, at all. But, yeah, exactly. When you're talking about such a short distance, it's not, you yep. know, how big is the number. It's how, how much that percent like. That's what's exactly. Be exactly. But now when you're talking about strength, you know, if you're 10 pounds off, a world record that's close but, oh yeah you know you'd have to be about 100 pounds off the world record to compare yeah. to being a half a second off the sprints it's just but, an incredible exactly. thing so think about the units we're using here if we break them into thousands or etc whatever etc you know someone's lifting 800 pounds yeah that's amazing someone's lifting you know nine seven ninety that's amazing but and but you know um even if someone's saying oh i'm only 100 pounds off the world record that's you know still a significant percentage wise yeah. Um, and then, and with the speed too, like, yeah, I'm, like I said, you were six, six tenths of a second from a world record. Yeah. But when you think of it also, you were, you know, trying to think of a way to phrase this. Um, you, you were, at, I, I, I don't have a calculator. I'm not the best honest about math, but you were dot to that percent away from world record. That might be an e, like a more, you know, um, straightforward way of comparing it. You know, when you think yeah, about it. it it's not world-class speed you know um back in my day you had to run 10 twos to be considered a world-class sprinter because on any given day if you're running a 10-2 and the record was 9-9 or you know let's call it close enough 10 flat almost yeah you 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 have a chance of winning but when you're at when you're running 10-6 at your best at your worst you're probably running a 10, 9, maybe even 11. You're not going to be competitive unless everybody is falling over on, in the track meet. So, right. yeah, but when, when you talk to people who, are, who don't understand sports, you know, they, 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 can't, they can't gauge it. Um, but, yeah, I, again, too, with the strength, I've seen some mass, like Brian Klaus, massively strong, powerlifting strong. It's just you sit back and you're like, how do people do this? You know, it's like, wow, it's levels. I mean, if we can be honest, you know, right now I'm about 215 pounds. I would be a little bit surprised if I could bench press my own weight right now. Part of that's due to, due to a shoulder injury, but part of it is, you know, I've just never been, you know, able to put up good numbers in the weight room. Hmm. Well, I've been cutting a lot of weight, losing weight permanently, you know, um, yeah. and I don't lift heavy like you because of so many injuries. Matter of fact, I just went to the, um, uh, Joe, what do you call it? The uh, not neurosurgeon, what, uh, orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. On Monday to uh, check out my shoulder thing, the collarbone. 
turns out it's my collarbone, but it's a, it's an injury he's never seen before, and there's really nothing they can do about it. He gave me a shot of cortisone. That didn't help. So for me, what happens right right here, there's um, he calls it tissue behind the collarbone. That's what's giving me the problems here. And it's like it snaps. Like imagine a rubber band snapping on you. So sometimes if I just lift in the wrong way or put my shirt on, like right there, it just did it. Yeah. Um, and so there, I got to do a follow-up now in like three more weeks. It was like four weeks. So, but mm-hmm. there's really – he said they could do a scan. But – so he basically said the reason, uh, blah, blah, blah here, uh, just don't do any exercises that cause you that pain because there's nothing we're going to do, be able to do for you. And at my age, you know, you can expect it. So, yeah, I'm not worrying about uh, lifting heavy anymore. So that's why yeah. perfect timing for me to permanently be at a lighter weight. I don't need to be my powerlifting weight anymore. Uh why carry the extra 30 pounds when I don't need it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, like I said, I'm about 215 now. At one point in my heaviest, I was pretty close to 280. So, I mean, carrying wow. on that extra weight, it, 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 it takes a toll on you. You know, I was, I did the way, the way I lost all of it was by basically cutting out. Um, I stopped drinking like pop, any soft drinks entirely, whether sugared or diet. That's the best. That's like one of the best you know, dietary, that's the best dietary choice I've ever, ever made in my life was cutting that stuff out. Um, so it's also that and doing a lot of low carb, I got down, you know, with, without ever going hungry, which was great. Um, well, that's good. And fasting helps me. Yeah. I mean, and the, nice thing, the nice thing was the way, the way the low carb diet felt with me is I could do fasting and never really felt that hungry. Yeah. And it, it was great. You know, it's something I'm, not, I, I don't eat the best diet today. I'm still watch what I eat, and that's how I've been able to stay down at 215. But no, like being that heavy, it t- it it takes a toll on your joints. It you know, it's not good for your body, and you know, I just feel so much better, smaller, I guess. Well, I can give people because I'm in the midst of this now. Um, my blood pressure, my cholesterol, those were the two bad things. They, I went to the regular doctor like eight, not eight eight days ago or something. So let's call that about a week. I lose track. Everything Mm -hmm. is perfect. I mean, like falls on like absolutely perfect with that. And, you know, she asked me, uh, how'd you lose this? What's going on? Are you sure you're dieting? I said, yeah, she, she wanted to know how, how I did it. She's like, tell me, I'm like, look, and I explained, I, I was taking care of my mom all these years. I couldn't cook. I couldn't leave the room. So everything was popping in the microwave yeah so for you it was soda pop i quit that years ago for the most part but for me it was processed foods you know frozen foods and shit can't do that man when i was doing low carb a lot of it got cut out just because so much of it was carb heavy like the thing i ate the most more than anything else was eggs and you know just eating things that are really like you know closer to you know smaller ingredient list the better essentially like you're not getting into the process unnatural stuff not the preservative you know you're eating real food you're eating eggs you're eating beef you're eating you know salt and spices and lettuce and tomatoes whatever you're not eating you know chemicals that you can't pronounce you're not eating byproducts and waxes and additives oh 100 percent. and i mean outside of injury my biggest problem is my memory law you know my brain issues now that's 
not going to diet's not going to change that for me. But outside of that, I feel good. Never mind the injuries, but yeah. Have you it, ever? It's just, um, one thing I might you know, if you want to think about it, Tony, eggs. Reason being, eggs have choline in it. Yeah, choline. Oh, I eat eggs. Yeah, good. Yeah, when choline gets to the brain, it can become, it basically becomes acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter that helps um, both, you know, short-term and long-term memory. So eggs are, you know, awesome source for that. Yeah, no, I, I, I just, matter of fact, I had some eggs today before I had to go to, to this uh, training class I went to. Um, but everybody, you know, the, the thing is, there's so many um, different types of fitness, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'll always, well, I shouldn't say, I hope to always be fit. My whole life I've tried to stay fit, and now I'm going to probably like the second to the last stage of my life, you know, if if I live long, uh, I'm Got still going to stay fit, you know. But I, I've never gotten super heavy, um, but now my, my fitness is, once I'm done with this metamorphosis, is going to be in a different way. I'm yeah. actually already reverting back to my high school, uh, to my fitness level. Well, this is ideally to my mm-hmm. high school fitness levels. Again, I won't be able to be that fast, but, you know, spring wise, but, um, you know. Uh, but comparably, you know, might not yeah. be as fast, but you can still do it, which yes, is exactly. impressive, which is impressive for anybody over 30 to be comparable to their high school fitness. Yeah, and that's what I'm shooting for, and I'm almost there. Knock on wood, body weight wise. I mean, uh, I'm 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 heavier, more heavily muscled now. Yeah, and, um, and that'll always be. But I'm I'm basing everything on body fat percentage because when I graduated from high school, um, I was very fit from from boxing, from doing the catch wrestling with Rod Von, from you know, especially track and field in in, in high school. Yeah. So, um, I want to be exactly at that same body uh, uh, body fat percentage. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I'm I'm going to be there. I'm I'm sure of it. Um, not to compete with you, Tony. I mean, thinking about it, I'm actually about where I was in high school. I mean, you know, I, I wrestled. That's awesome. I wrestled 189, but I was cut down from about 210, and then, like I said, I'm about 215 right now. See? Um, with more muscle than I had back then and, you know, more experience, more injuries, but that'll happen. Um, you yeah, know, I'm proud of you for doing that, man. It, I, it's, you know, it's something I needed to do. It's, it's, I've always been bad with food. Like I said, my sophomore year of college, I overate and that made me go up multiple weight classes from where I should have been. And, you know, it's getting that out of control. Something that's really improved my life in a lot of ways, you know. Um, it's just, I'm part, on top of it too, I'm just setting a good example for my kid. I don't want to be the, the, the dad bod is not what I want them to aspire to be when they're grown adults. The dad bod should not mean the spare tire that the dad bod, should, you know, I guess it's not that I have abs or anything, but you know, I'm not ashamed of how I look anymore, I guess. Now I was the opposite of you Artie. When I was a kid, I was always malnourished. I was always skinny. I was always thin. It was hard for me to put on size. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and I carried that, that aspect until after I had my aneurysm in 93. So in like 94, 1994 is when I, because of my friend, Kevin, you never got to meet him. But it was the, when I was still at the tool and die, uh, Bensonville, um, 
with, you know, we just worked out as a team, you know, and mm-hmm. I wanted to get my, I wanted to get psych, psychologically, it was so traumatic what happened to me that I okay. wanted to become like a Hercules just because if it ever happened again, that kind of traumatic brain or any kind of injury, I would be so like strong, yeah, so big yeah. that, that I'd have a buffer if I got sick for a, exactly. You know, I am really surprised, you know, when you had Paul on recently that you guys didn't talk about that. He actually had an aneurysm not too long after I met him. And, Ooh. you know, Paul Sharp. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. He, um, like I said, not too long after I met him, he had an aneurysm. It was funny. You know, we were actually practicing, you know, so it was like a Sunday morning. We were doing Nogi that day. And he felt, you know, not good because Paul's very talented grappler and, you know, he did not feel like himself. The fact that I was able to armbar him is a clear sign something was not right. Um, right after practice, he went to the hospital, had an aneurysm, almost died, and the doctor actually did tell him, you know, you would not survive this if not for your for your fitness. I, I, I don't quote me, you know, that's you know, it, uh, the, obviously it's his story, but you know, the doctor basically in, inferred that his his fitness pulled him through that, whereas a lot of other people may not have gone, may not have made. That's what I was told. My level yeah, of fitness. Good. You're doing the right thing. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I don't wish this on it. You know, I'm glad you shared the story of Paul and I'm sharing mine because I don't want other people to have to get to that point. No, No, you know. My mother had an aneurysm when I was really young. That was terrifying. Yeah. Some people, like, what's her name? Sharon Stone had it on The Actress. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it paralyzed me on my right side. It weakened my left side, but my right side was gone. But. So everybody, it can be different for people, like heart attacks. I, there's oh, yeah. people who have silent heart attacks. You know, they don't know they had a heart attack. Others, it kills them, you know. So, they, uh, they, they think it was a little bit of chest congestion, all good. Yeah. Take, take some, take some uh, what's that called? Take some Robitussin, and you're all set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, had, I had a friend who, who's, whose friend, my friend's buddy, Baby mm-hmm. Marvin, had, was in his, I guess, in, he was a heavyset guy. He was in his garage just drinking beer drinking beer drinking beer and he just just didn't feel good man didn't feel good you know and then a few days oh, later he finally goes to the hospital he had a heart attack he didn't yeah. know it. no he just didn't feel good but turns out he had a he had a heart attack no, so, what's it, the, huh it's and it's interesting about the fitness too i mean my my great-grandfather um his job was his job and career was refrigerator mover. He would carry refrigerators up at the high rise to Chicago, basically strap it to his back and walk up the stairs. You know, that's, that is real old man, old school strength right there. You know, that is some rough stuff. And, you know, the, the weird, the thing is, you know, he did this physical job, you know, five to six days a week. And then as soon as he retired, he was sedentary for less than a month, heart attack, passed away, like couldn't, couldn't save him. You know what? Well, I'm sorry to hear. That's a shame. Oh, this was long before I was born. Never met him, of course. But just that, you know, the fact that you know he was doing that level of work and just stopping it shocked his body enough. It's one of the weirdest things. I knew a guy. He was at one point my next door neighbor in, as a kid in Cleveland. World War II veteran. Matter of fact, he was one year older than my grandfather. To give you his perspective, mm-hmm. and he worked at uh, Park Drop Forge. He never missed in 30 years. He never once missed a day of work. Only one time he missed a half a day because he had to go to court for something. So he, he, so he worked till he was 70. He retired. 
And then just months later, he gets diagnosed with cancer. And then, you know, six months later, he's dead after he retired. Never missed a day of work. Such a shame. A horrible shame. I I couldn't even go to the funeral. It bothered me so much. Um, Because he's the guy, his name, we call him Pat. Arthur Eugene Patterson. Um, But everybody called him Pat. He's the one who actually, when I was young, got me interested in weightlifting. Yeah. Um, because he would tell me all the stories of John Grimmick and Steve Stankel, because he met all those guys back in when he was like World War II times. Um, just and he would tell the stories. I'm sure he embellished them some, but whatever. He was a Southern boy from Parkersburg, West Virginia, living in Cleveland, and he just, man, I'd sit there every day listening to him with these stories, and it got me into wanting to be strong. And and then eventually I met Rodvan, and you know it was all. Good guy to learn strength from, of course. Huh? Good guy to learn strength from uh, someone that experienced Radvon. Yeah, well, Radvon with the strength was at another level, but yeah. Pat would tell me stories. Pat, Radvon wasn't like that. You know, Radvon, he's, he's a guy you don't, you know, you stay at a distance. But Pat was so good, and he would play guitar, and, you know, like Chet Atkins, and, you know, it was entertaining. But so, so you had mentioned that, um, I think you said his name was Mike Kelly that kept you going with the wrestling or re-inspired yeah, you? Absolutely. You know, Mike is, um, he's a guy, he's, he's one of those dudes that never quit. Um, he's 50, he's right around 50 years old. I want to say, I'm sorry if he's not, he's going to kick my ass. But anyways, you know, he kept wrestling after college. He did a bunch of, he just got into grappling, no gi jujitsu and, and stuff. You know, he multiple time team USA member, multiple time world champion and placer in that awesome awesome grappler you know such a limited move set but nobody could stop it they know what he's going to do and they can't stop his north south choke it's, it's impeccable and um but yeah that that's really been my biggest you know probably my longest term coach slash practice partner slash mentor on the whole sport you know paul was paul was my mentor for for a while you know like one of my mentors for a while but mike kelly you know longest over the longest term like i met the guy when i was a senior in high school at plainfield wrestling club and then just you know, got, got got linked with him when I was in college, you know, coached with him for a year. We were part of the same gym. Wrestling back when it existed. Um, so he was, yeah, like, he was my, oh. he was my rapper. Your audio seems to have adjusted. Yeah. I don't know if you're hearing that, Tony, but yeah. Well, I think, I just hope everybody, I've been lucky to have those mentors in music and in oh, yeah. you know, fighting, martial arts. I, I wish for other people to, to be able to find that. I, the, I've known a lot of people who were gifted. They've never had that mentor or that person that would take them under their wing. Um, it's changing. It really is. You know, like I said, without Mike Kelly, I wouldn't be talking to you today. I would have probably stepped off the mat years ago and not come back on. Um, we can't, I can't hear you. Uh, can you hear him, Joe? Yeah. So, no, his audio is kind of distorted now. It's like it, something changed. Try again. Is this, can you hear me now? No. It's not the same. Maybe cut, maybe log out and log back in. Yeah, Joel let you back in. Yep. But yeah, Joe, uh, to keep things rolling while he's working on that, it, it's so important. And sometimes it's us. The 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 mentor is there, but we blow it, right? Like we, oh, I don't want to learn from this guy, or I, I don't want to, you know. But um, but then yeah. other times they just fall. They just fall, fall in fall into place um well I, yeah. i've often thought about it that you've 
you know, how kind of magic it is when you have the right coach with the right athlete or right student, you know, because sometimes I'm sure there's gifted people out there who just, you know, they don't have, you know, they, they get a, get the wrong coach and they get missed. Let's hear you again. Can you hear me guys? Yeah. Much better. Yeah. That's better. Yeah. Technology being a bitch. Um, Let's talk about the next stage here with Artie and why things are the, what, what, Joe, I'm, I'm struggling here with my memory here. Tell them basically what, what the plan is with Artie. Oh, okay. Well, we'll shift. Yeah, because I actually had more questions about Artie's career. But yeah, uh, we're actually, Marty's, uh, let's say that before we go any further, is that, yeah, Artie is looking to um, join the company and get all of its many, many benefits <laughs> and help us out here. Um, and pitch in with helping us on social media. He reached out to us. So, you know, we put the call out there to the public and already heard it and is willing to pitch in and help us. So we're very excited um, to have that. Um, so, you know, yeah. Um, I am excited. Well, let's to be basically spell it. Artie will be handling the social media aspect of it because you people know that I don't do social media. I'm not going to do it. Uh, and, and Artie's really gifted at it. And maybe Artie can talk a little bit about, not about us, but about what he's done with his with the social media in yeah, his career, um, and he's going to try to launch like a Twitter or a face. Uh, what do you call it? TikTok, a, a TikTok or, yeah. or and and uh, maybe we'll even who knows? I mean, whatever he thinks. But tell yeah, us about so, what you've done in that in your business career with that. Yeah, my my background with that a bit. You know, like I said, I was previously with MMA Warehouse. Um, I was a customer service rep there, but also as being someone who's in the sport, you know. They would use me for things like blogs and, you know, some suggestions for content and stuff. That's really where I kind of dipped my toes in a bit. A bit. Um, after that, I ended up kind of running, not running along with two other people, a gear review blog, BJJ New Gear. Um, so I was able to help a lot of smaller businesses get their uh, get their stuff in front of a lot more eyes. You know, there's these little companies that have, you know, 200 followers. If I can bring images of their stuff and share it with my 14,000 member group, they're going to get a lot more eyes on it. And that was something really rewarding. Um, you know, we should all support small business. And that was kind of the goal of this endeavor. Um, I was able to meet a lot of amazing people through it too, make some good connections. Um, in addition to that, I um, was one of the people doing uh, social media for Straight Blast Gym. Um, worked a lot on strategy there. You know, there's a lot of strategies for getting people more eyes on your content. That's what's going to be most important. Not only the quality of the content, but kind of playing the algorithm so you're going to get more views. You know, things like um, posting at the right time, posting, the, you know, a certain number of times per day, like Jeez. videos versus images, hashtags, um, geography tags, you know, those are all important things to utilize that unfortunately a lot of people miss out on. And just um, what I'm hoping to do for Tony and, you know, catch wrestling program here is utilize those skills I picked up and hopefully have, you know, similar levels of success, you know, get more eyes on catch wrestling, get it spread through, you know, whether someone that just wants to be a catch wrestler pure purely, or, you know, you know, it'd be a great add-on for judo guys, BJJ guys, you know, straight up wrestling guys, you know, more experience and more well-rounded background. Um, get more eyes on that and really, you know, preserve honor and spread the art. Yeah, that would be great because for the last 25 years, the biggest thing, I, I, I'm not a marketer, um, 
And while I was there pretty much at the beginning of, of uh, the Internet, I guess you'd say, uh, I, I'm just not that's not my thing, you know. Um, and we've all and I've always. It's not everybody's thing, you know. No, it's, it's not. It's not my thing. It's something I that made, I never thought I'd get into it, honestly. Um, it was something that never really struck me until, like I said, after I left MMA Warehouse and there was no longer a conflict of interest. So I hopped on that blog, you know. Like mar martial arts is what got me into this. Martial arts has really opened a lot of doors in my life, martial arts and wrestling both. And, you know, it's what got me into this. Um, it's been the bulk of most of my projects. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's not for everybody. It's just really something I found to be decent at because I've always been, I've, I've been that freaking nerd. I've been, I've been a researcher, a reader. I like, I like data. I like to, you know, put the puzzle together. How can you turn that data into results? That's something that, you know, problem solving that it's, it's tricky. It's fun. It's, it's cool. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I just don't, it's like gardening or, you know, stuff like that. I don't have a green thumb for that. And neither do I. That's no, something. but I'm a tech guy. I'm tech, but I'm not like this stuff. Um, you know, I used to build my own computers, and I used to build computers for my friends. I know a lot of stereos. And that's my thing, electronics. This isn't, you know, but, um, you, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see where this goes. I, I mean, it can only go up, so, you know, look at it that way. But you, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of reinvigorated with you since we had our – we had a Zoom meeting, everybody, the three of us, like last week. And just discussing this, and because I, I just kept an pretty much kept my mouth shut, just kept an open mind, asked a few questions. But I left on the Zoom pretty psyched, pretty stoked because already, unlike a lot of people through the years who promised me the moon and never basically mooned me, is what they ended up doing. I didn't know what kind of moon they meant. Um, you know, they promise you this that already just says, Hey, this is what I can do. And I'm like, Hey, okay, I told Joe afterwards, you know. Um, this is great. Well, the first thing Joe said, of course, is you know Tony Artie's not as good looking as me. I said I, I know that Joe. We all know that. But well, well, I mean it's welcome to the club. But Joe's like, no, I, Joe's got confidence in you. Uh, I do. Um, my, I like to hear huh? I like to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's your your persona. Um, and but but now. So that's so, so, ladies and gentlemen, when you see posts coming up on either YouTube or if there's a new TikTok or Twitter, um, that'll be Artie will be the man behind the scenes. Uh, and you know, we'll keep everybody informed as yeah. we move forward and, 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 and move along. And then Artie's going to start filming some clips during our seminars. Um, some we're going to use for the membership site, which will be excellent because, um, I can make a special thing for this membership site but also you know for just public consumption whatever yeah and, and the stuff we're posting publicly will be you know small slices of that membership stuff almost like a preview so you know okay it'll show i mean you know i, can, I think a good strategy with that is you know kind of show people a narrow window of it and make them curious for more that's kind of my thinking if that makes sense okay now joe you had some more questions about Artie's wrestling history here while you got disconnected well yeah no well first i, I want to just say as far as uh, getting in and getting in and helping us out the timing couldn't be more perfect so i'm really excited we're starting off a new year tony's now 
schedule is freed up. You know, he obviously he was tied up a lot, taking care of his mother before, and that's not an issue now. So I'm really excited about the potential for this year because uh, Tony's available for seminars, uh, you know, or whatever, personal training. And so this, the timing is, it, it seems like, you know, the, the stars are lining up on this. So I'm very excited about it and looking forward to working with you on that. Um, but anyways, yeah, I was going to ask. So obviously I think this is almost could be like a part two of the conversation because uh, we've been going on for over an hour, but so at a certain point, you you discovered judo, or how did you find judo? I got into judo, actually. You know, um, I started out, like I said, um, grappling around, you know, just in the south suburbs. It was like a church with a grappling program that I stopped at for a while. Um, never joined the church, but the mats were fun. Um, and that was actually under Japanese jiu-jitsu, which has a lot of commonality with judo. So that's kind of where I got my first taste of it, you know, wearing a gi and doing a lot of the, the more unique throws. Um, and then my, um, when I was coaching down at Cumberland's, I, you know, I, I'm one of those people that's just very easily bored. I need something to do. I don't, I, I don't enjoy idle time. I got into reading a bit and I bought a few judo books just out of curiosity and, you know, started, you know, learn some of the, you know, things about us, some of the, the guiding principles, a little bit of the technique. It's, it's tough to learn that stuff from books, but it, it helps, you know, when you do, go and do it it helps things click together click together a little better at least um so that that i started out doing you know just reading about it and then after i came home from cumberland i went out to atlas extreme team out in yorkville um like i said I used to live down south um you know it was about 40 minute drive but it was really worth it um excellent excellent judo players there um a lot of them came from a wrestling background like you know one of the one of the coaches that wrestled for niu um you know, uh, some jujitsu, some jujitsu in there as well. It was a very, you know, open-ended judo program. Most, most of them only do like maybe 90% on the feet and 10% on the mat. We did probably like 60% on the feet and 40% on the mat. So it was a really good experience. Um, had a lot of fun in judo. Um, at, after I ended up moving up north, I focused on, you know, nogi and jujitsu for a while. Just didn't really find a judo home until um, happened across South Belgium Budokan. Uh, Tom O'Shaughnessy, you know, like I said, a real hidden gem in martial arts. He was um, an eighth degree black belt in judo. He was a member of the Irish Olympic team for the first Olympics to have judo. Um, really old school guy, you know. He, he initially looked the part of the stereotypical out of shape martial arts instructor because he had a little ponytail. He he kind of walked around and had that like, you know, sensei look on his face. Um, but at the same time, extremely, extremely fit, you know, you know, doing his morning workout involved 90 pound dumbbells. And that's quite impressive for an 80 year old man, I'd say, especially he's considering he was only about 170. You know, he would still get on the mat in his 80s and be just like unbearably painful the first time he showed me a foot sweep it was pretty much a muay thai kick to my leg um which hey that's awesome and you know um his his groundwork his his pinning you know he's he's gouging digging elbows you know working really a lot of hard tissue versus soft tissue theory and that's inspired me a lot that's really helped you know shape my game you know um grind on them that's something that a lot of jujitsu and even a lot of wrestling misses and that's something i think that's been really beneficial and you know in addition to his judo he was black belt in several karate styles um uh back in ireland actually too he um was a member of a carnival and did both boxing and wrestling um you know taking on locals um he boxed more than he wrestled he said you know probably like did like probably four or five boxing matches for every wrestling match 
but, you know, he talked about, you know, how you had to like learn from the older guys and, um, you know, especially in the boxing, you would have to take some punches and, um, basically put on a show for the crowd. And that was really neat stories to hear about. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my judo background. Um, I ended up getting a brown belt and then he unfortunately passed away not too long after that. So I still got my judo brown belt. I haven't really trained judo specifically in a while, but it's definitely a big part of my overall grappling game. Yeah, it's interesting that you said there was a lot of a lot of wrestler guys. You found a lot of wrestlers, former wrestlers, who had found their way into judo. Not a lot, unfortunately. And it's you know, for the guys that want to keep wrestling, you know, the high school guys that don't want to wrestle in college, or college guys that you know want to find some some way to stay on the mat. Judo is an awesome outlet for that. You know, there's a lot of similarities with wrestling, but enough differences that really keeps it interesting for former wrestlers, in my opinion. Um. I mean, at the, at that club, though, you know, unfortunately, there was myself as a, you know, as a very recently former college wrestler. And then there was, um, oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, I believe his name was Justin. I'm so sorry if it wasn't. But he, um, he like I said, he wrestled for NIU. He, there was him and then, like, one guy that wrestled at the junior college level for half a season. And then the rest of it actually was, you know, more pure judo guys. Did you find the conditioning and the, the background help you? Like, was it, or was it to make into judo? Did it just fit or was it, you know, did you feel you had some advantages there? Immensely. Um, honestly, like I said, my wrestling background style was a lot more throwing techniques. So pretty much a lot of it was just adapting it to the, the rules of judo as far as how and when you can grip. Um, I picked up a lot of awesome throws from judo that have, I'd be able to transpose back into wrestling because I, the next year after I was at Atlas, I was coaching up at Harper and I was able to take some stuff that I learned in judo, um, fix the grips of it and make it in, you know, applicable in a no-gi in a wrestling situation, which was really fun to do. Um, so like, for example, here, my first judo practice, um, they usually don't allow white belts to spar, not, not white belts, rather people during their first two weeks to spar but being that I had a background they let me go in and I was tossing the colored belts around um using wrestling stuff you know not not traditional judo stuff you know it was more it, it was not as pretty it wasn't as flashy but I was taking them from their feet to their back which is the objective of the sport um and then my first ever judo tournament I did you know after just three weeks of training judo and I entered the brown and black belt division as a white belt because it's it's honestly not fair for someone with that much wrestling background to go against white belts you know i don't care who you are it's just not fair there's you know a massive leg up that wrestling gives to judo jujitsu mma especially in the early stages and like i said that first tournament i've been in judo for two weeks i entered the brown and black belt division um i my first ever judo match i beat a brown belt i threw him with what the judo would call koshiguruma or what americans would call i guess a, a headlock hip toss it worked it threw him and like i said he was a brown belt i was a white belt but you know that didn't really matter too much i ended up uh, going to the illinois state tournament in judo twice both times as a white belt both times i was champion of the brown and black belt division and wrestling and some of the jiu-jitsu really carried me through that you know there's a lot of similarities between the art and judo just happened to be, you know, the objectives of judo really lined up with a lot of my skill sets. So I was able to have, you know, some fun and decent successor. Like I said, two-time state champion. I won the AU nationals. Um, I haven't had a chance to compete at any bigger, bigger judo events, but it's, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I enjoy it. That's it's great. interesting to hear. 
yeah, that A, that you were, you know, so dominant in the judo, but that you were actually able to still to take things from judo and bring it back into your wrestling. So that wasn't just that you went in there and used your wrestling to dominate these judo guys, but that you were learning things that you brought back into wrestling. That's kind and of it's cool. funny because it was, you know, I would struggle to use these things in judo against the judo guys, but then the wrestling people have no idea what, I mean, for example, a judo throw, they call it a sotogari. It's a, um, Tony might be familiar with it. It's basically like a big outside tripping move. And yeah. it's, it's tricky. It's tricky to set up without a gi, but it's possible. And my wrestlers could not defend it. To, I mean, I bless their hearts, but they could not defend it to save their lives. <laughs> um, and it, it, it was especially useful against the heavyweights, the bigger guys, because they stood more upright. Heavyweights are not as, like, sorry to say, I can say this because I was one, but heavyweights are not as disciplined about staying in their stance. They'll go upright. And if you go upright, when someone's trying to hit a move like that, done. And, you know, that's just learning that from judo because they do stand upright and that's where you're used to attacking. Well, that's really interesting to hit an Osotogari in wrestling. I would have never thought it was possible. <laughs> like I said, it's tricky, but it's possible. You know, it, it, it's part of it is they have to stand upright for it. It's tough to hit against someone in their stance. I, I, I wouldn't even try it. Hmm. I've always been a fan of, of judo. I, I don't know, you know, it's just, I, even since I was, well, I get, you know, I'm a little, I'm older than both of you guys, but, but even before my time, like in the sixties, Judo was the big martial art in this country and even parts of the 70s. And I'll tell you something, both in Cleveland at the Cleveland Public Library and when I moved to Chicago, I went to the Chicago Library downtown, the main library, and I would look at the old uh, telephone books because mm -hmm. this is back before all the, you know, they had microfilm and microfish. But the 90% uh, of the schools in both cities were judo schools. When you look back in the 60s and 70s phone books, yeah, you can do that now. I'm sure you can go on microfilm and just look it up. I'm sure, yeah. here. I, I've actually, when I was in college, I had to go to a, an older library. I was like, I want to see if it's a Crown Point, Indiana library. And you, I, in the archives, like I had to go dig down an old newspaper article from the 1800s. And I saw phone books in there. So, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's the case because, I mean, in my honest opinion, the big, the person who shaped martial arts the biggest I mean, modern martial arts, at least, is Dr. Jigoro Kano, the founder of judo. I mean, like, there, there's no question about it. He invented the gi as training equipment. He invented the belt ranking system. He, and, you know, he, he didn't invent it, but he really, uh, you know, made the standard of a martial art, you know, having a curriculum, having a set, you know, a set plan. And that really made things a lot more consistent. It's, you know, if not for his efforts, you know, Karate wouldn't be where it is. Jiu-Jitsu wouldn't, wouldn't exist. It would be, you know, quite different. You know, like, like his influence is, can be seen in every single martial arts school, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting tra transition from then to now. And like yourself, Artie, when I was younger than even what you are now, I was very into research. It was much more difficult. Well... It wasn't difficult. It was more, you, you couldn't just go to your room and look it up on an internet thing. You, had, you actually had to go to the library. You had to do yeah. whatever. Yeah, and I mean. It was, but it was fun. Yeah, absolutely. You know? You know, even though research, you know, you can get a lot of, you can get content a lot easier now. Like, there's still some stuff you have to dig for. Like, I'm sure those old phone books, you wouldn't be able to find them online if, no. if you had a million hours, you know. 
it's and it's unfortunate too that a lot of that paperback then is not going to last forever so we're losing a lot of you know a lot of print resources that are, we're never going to get back well you know this isn't martial arts related but very there's things that i'm into that nobody else really is i say that you know tongue in cheek but like accordion and accordion players and so on and outside of the the celebrity accordionists there's so many gifted accordion players that were before my time that I just knew their names. There's nothing about these people on the internet. I mean, nothing. They're they're lost forever, right? Um, no, I mean, accordion, even within the realm of jazz, is more obscure than a lot of people realize. You know, I, I was in jazz band in high school, and I also, in college for my music elective, I took a history of jazz class. You know, we did not have an accordion in our jazz band in high school and very little bit of our history of jazz class featured accordion. You know, we were talking about, you know, the trumpet, of course, the saxophone, you know, the the electrification of the guitar and bass. But, you know, the accordion, I I don't remember barely anything. We were blessed a few months ago to have Corey Pesaturo, who's a world champion accordionist, jazz accordionist and digital accordionist on here, you know. And we, we talked before and even afterwards about that. Yeah, it's but but that's just an example of, of mm-hmm. one thing. Now, imagine other uh, uh, things that interest people that I have no no idea yeah. about. Yeah, I mean, just, I'm, in addition to martial arts, I'm actually a very passionate coin collector. Some I've enjoyed since I was a little kid. But I mean, it's I, I, I remember I've specifically a few times posted on my Facebook. Hey, any of my friends into coin collecting, blah, blah, blah. Not a single response yeah. at all it's a rare hobby but it's it's fun I guess, to me well i used to get into that when i was a kid numismology or whatever they called it i forgot numismatics yep yep but you know what the thing is people now are under the assumption that everything is on on the internet and it's and it's really not again there's no. just no. there's so much or or things uh stories that aren't uh you know on the on the on the internet and but 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 Getting back to the point of it, when I was a kid, Cleveland Public Library was the third or the fifth, I don't remember, the third or the fifth largest library in, in, in America. It was just gigantic. And I spent a lot of time there researching weightlifting and whatever, and mm-hmm. uh, martial arts, music, and hours and hours and hours and hours. And I, I miss doing that. You know, that was a great yeah. experience because it got me out of the bad neighborhood and it was it. I'm, I'm with all this fancy like artwork and just shit was beautiful yeah. for a kid. I mean, people don't often realize or appreciate just the value of being in an aesthetic environment. Yeah, you know, there you go. If you're spending your time in a place that looks nice, you're going to feel better as opposed to if you're spending it in a dingy little shithole. You're right. I mean, see, that's a great way. See, you think about it like I do because I I find myself, well, this is kind of personal. I probably shouldn't talk about it, but you know, I find myself staying in my room all the time, you know, and not even venturing out of my room. And that's that's sign number one of depression and so on. You get you can't do that. But for me, my, Artie, yeah, I'm really, really isolated where I live. The community where I live this town, which is a mistake for a guy like me. I need to be around the city where I could go. Like I said, if I wanted to go to the Chicago Public Library, it's not that big of a deal if I was mm-hmm. in the city. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so getting, out, getting out of Chicago from the suburbs is a pain. I mean, especially you know, 
I, you said you're in uh, unincorporated McHenry or Wonder Lake, something like that. Yeah, Wonder Lake. Yeah. Yeah, that that is out there. You know, you, like not only is it far, but you don't have great highway access, so it's going to no, take. I have none. It's going to take forever to get to the city compared to yeah. even if you live like even in Elgin, you know, it's it's pretty far from the city. But I'm right off ninety. You're right off ninety, and another thing that we don't have out here is no public transportation in McHenry area at mm. all. Okay, so that's a big deal. Um, and part of it. Well, you're married, you have kids, so you have people. But when you're isolated like myself, just hopping on a bus, even if you don't talk to anybody, just being around people, for me, is a wonderful thing. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, like, even if it's as simple as stepping outside, not only, you know, we have the hippy-dippy thing, you know, we're if we're around prettier things, we're going to feel better, the aesthetic. But, yeah. I mean, just the scientific fact that sunlight will you know boost certain neurotransmitter levels and keep you you know out of that funk yeah it's, sunlight's amazing so right sunlight's amazing to you until you overdo it and do skin cancer you got to find the perfect balance i guess but yeah well that's true too but you're you're, you're right on about you know and and you lose what i fight is not to lose my street edge um when you're out here it, you know people there's it's safer on paper, right? Now, you're never safe anywhere, but no. generally, it's I'll I'll never lose my edge. I I, I purposely look for trouble. I don't want to say I look for trouble, but I always look for potential issues. Whereas everybody else is conditioned white, okay? I'm not conditioned red, but I'm I'm at least conditioned yellow at all times. I know what's going on. I'm fully aware. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely, that's the one thing I don't ever want to lose. Uh, mm -hmm. I just don't. But you know what? We've been going on for about an hour and a half. I want Artie back on for part two of this. Yeah, we can set that up. Joe, I'm talking to you. Oh, Hello, Joe. Right. I woke up. Hello. I'm sorry. Okay. We're still podcasting? Um, no, yeah, very much so, because I feel like we just got the first half of the story. You know, we yeah. haven't talked about Artie's yeah, I mean, you know, or... I mean definitely actually... the future. I mean, definitely in the future, you know, like we did, we barely talked about Paul, you know, in addition, in addition to, you know, Mike Kelly kind of being my longer term mentor, even though I was, with, I was with Paul, you know, about four years, he shaped, you know, my grappling style so much, so immensely. So, you know, definitely big chat to be had there. I'd love to have yeah, both you guys on together, actually. That'd be kind of a cool podcast. And, you. you know, I kind of, I want to apologize right now because I realized we didn't plug your school at the beginning. Um so uh, let's yeah. do it now, and then we'll definitely put it in the, the YouTube links right away. Yeah, so I train at Illinois Martial Arts Academy out in Algonquin um, under Chuck Masney. He's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. Um, he also uh, black belt in karate, doesn't really do it as much anymore. He's a brown belt in Judo. We actually met at the Illinois State Judo Tournament. I competed against one of his guys, and, um, you know, one thing – one problem judo has is with its obscurity a bit it's tough to find adult practice partners especially over 200 pounds and you know we just, we just linked up because he had a student that was pretty it was a big guy about my size we worked together and you know that's how we initially met and when then when paul left the area it was just a natural transition to go for chuck nice yeah but we definitely need to have a follow-up episode um you know sooner than later and you yeah, know absolutely happy Welcome. Obviously, now as you're joining the team, you're welcome to join in on any other podcasts we have as we have other guests, because uh, I think oh, your yeah. perspective and your questioning would be, be added, you know, to any conversation. That, so. that, that could be fun. Yeah, we'll have to work that out in the future. I'd love to be, you know, uh, 
on the other side of things at some point also. I do want to mention to everybody out there that uh, I'm going to be trying to bring on a special guest within the next, hopefully maybe next weekend or soon, working around his schedule. Of course, Joe handles all of that, so I'll, I'll, I'll put Joe in touch with him. Um, very interesting fellow. Uh, was a martial arts instructor, but he's not doing that. He's a, a very top-notch um, gun shooting instructor uh, nice. and uh everything involved around that um and uh i i really want to get him on here to talk uh nuts and bolts about firearms uh because we've had a lot of guests on here but we haven't had a specialist on firearms and uh this this man i can yeah i can i can now call and consider uh a friend and uh and i spent yesterday and today learning from him stuff uh, uh, re regarding uh, guns and just things along those lines. You, you know, you don't ever want to stop learning. And no, of course. You don't. And, and sometimes, this is all related for me. Everything is self-defense oriented. So, you know, it's like a language. If you if you, if you you mastered English and you mastered Italian, maybe now you want to learn French or Greek. You know, so, yeah, I want to get this, yeah. this gentleman on. His name is John Hernandez. He's from the area. Uh, Woodstock. Awesome. So that's not far from, um, yeah. but anyway, I do want to say to everybody that I am very excited to have Artie back in my life uh, and along with Joe's and we're looking for a lot of good things out of Artie, but also I just want to get back to getting Artie on the mat and, and getting him um, back rolling and with the catch wrestling, not rolling, rolling, but you know what I mean, get him back on the yeah. game. Um, and you know, I will say doing jujitsu, the, the thing everybody hates about training with me is the shin lock. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to do a guys, lot of rips. You guys, for some reason, don't like to don't do that as much. But I mean, that's been my that's that's part of catch wrestling. That's always going to be part of my game. Yeah. Well, you're going to get you know, you only met me once. We're, we'll do that's going to change. Obviously, you're going to learn yeah. a lot of nasty things, things you've never seen even on probably. the video. Yeah. Well, the good thing about it is when I do these seminars now, the way they are. Uh, we just, I don't even have a plan. Let's just wing it, you know, and that's how I like it because then I work off of what the people are doing there and you're going to learn. I don't mean you specifically, but in general, you're going to see things that you've never seen on video before because the situation is different than anything you've seen on video before. So Absolutely. that's what I yeah. like. Yeah. But anyway, everybody, we're going to let you go. Uh, Thank you, Joe, for being on here once again. Already, Mar uh, Martin was going to be on tonight, but he sent an email shortly before this launch that he had something coming up with his with his kids. Um, but Martin That's wants to get back in the, uh, back on again. So, Joe, your parting thoughts? Oh, this is a really great episode. Like I said, I can't wait to start working with Artie more. And no, it's the start of a great kickoff to the year. I think so. All right, buddy. Everybody, we'll see you. Take care. See you next week. I'm good. Have a great night, everyone. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.